Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the Gospel of Mark. Let's pick up chapter 9. Let's read verses 1 through 9, and I'll be reading in the Passion Translation. Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And the passion, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, there are some standing here speaking to the 12. There are some standing here now who won't experience death until they see God's kingdom manifest with power. Verse two, after six days, say after six days, pay attention to that. You got to ask the question, why did he say that? After six days, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, Jacob, John, hiked up a high mountain to be alone, to be alone. And Jesus' appearance was dramatically altered, for he was transfigured before their very eyes. His clothes sparkled, became glistening white, whiter than any bleach in the world could make them. Then suddenly, right in front of them, Moses and Elijah appeared, and they spoke with Jesus. Peter blurted out, beautiful teacher, this is so amazing to see the three of you together. Why don't we stay here and set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? For all the disciples were in total fear, and Peter didn't know what to say. See, I'm not the only one that can lose his words and not know what to say. Just then, a radiant cloud began to spread over them, and it enveloped them, and God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud, saying, This is my dear, dearly beloved, my son. Always listen to him. Verse 8, notice that. Suddenly, when they looked around, the disciples saw only Jesus. For everything else had faded away. Let's title this Only Jesus. Father, bless the reading of your word. Speak to us today. Let us ascend to the top of the mountain and have this same experience. May we as a church see Jesus in all of his glory. I pray it in Christ's name and everybody said amen. amen. Verse 2, after six days. They hiked to the top of the mountain to be alone. And suddenly Jesus was altered before them. Let's set the stage. After six days, it begs the question, after what? You'd have to go back into the previous chapter to fully understand. Six days earlier, Jesus had asked the disciples the question, who do men say that I am? Peter responded by saying, you're the Christ. And Jesus said, this is a revelation from my father. Peter had revelatory knowledge of who Jesus really was. You see, you can recognize someone without really knowing them. And so Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was. Later on, Jesus shared with these disciples about the rejection he would experience, the death, and then the resurrection. Later, as he spoke of going to Jerusalem, based on what he just heard, Peter said, you can't do this. You can't go there. Jesus rebuked the spirit of the world, the spirit of Antichrist that was operating behind Peter and said, Satan, get thee behind me. And then he went into the teaching on the cross. Every day you need to take up your cross. You need to deny yourself and then you need to follow me. And then we read here in chapter 9, verse 1, where Jesus said, there's some 
that will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God, its realm manifested here on planet earth. So I just want you to understand that when Jesus said, or when the Bible said after this, after six days, when you back up six days at Caesarea Philippi, you find all that took place during that time. The question of his identity, Peter's revelation, the rejection and the resurrection, Peter is rebuked, his teaching on the cross, and then he says, some of you now are going to see the kingdom of God manifested. You see, this journey of six days was qualifying these men for the mountaintop experience. Do you know who I am? Do you really know me? Do you see in regards to the resurrection, do you see beyond what everybody else is just looking at? Do you really understand what's happening here? I am the Messiah. I will be rejected. They will kill me, but I will be resurrected. Do you see beyond what everyone else is looking at? Do you really know who Christ is? Are you able to look beyond the chaos of 2020 and 2021 and really see beyond what everyone else is just looking at? Do you understand your responsibility and the cost that comes with it to take up your cross every day, to deny yourself and to follow after him, to follow him, even to the mountaintop experience, to follow him. I want you to understand the, 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 uh, the setting of the stage and the context in which this story is found. It's sandwiched in between. Now, I'm going to give you just a little glimpse of the future and then I'm going to back out. But it's sandwiched in between this six days of qualifying Peter, James, and John. And then later, two arguments that we'll look at. But right in the middle of this is a mountaintop experience that only three were invited to attend. Verse one, they will see God's kingdom realm manifested. So let's start this hike to the top. Let's try to understand what it took to get there and what happened to these three men. First of all, you need to know that in order to make it to the top, there is a process of sanctification and separation. Sanctification and separation. We know that there are 12 men. We know that Jesus was speaking to all 12, but he only went, give me you, you, and oh yes, you. And the rest, the nine had to remain at the bottom. And the three went to the top. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have bothered me. I probably would have followed them. I may have gotten in trouble, but I probably would have followed them. I want to go to the top of the mountain. I want to go. You have to understand that not everyone is comfortable with doing this. Not everyone is comfortable with that mountaintop experience. Because you see, an uncommon experience will not allow you to have common associations. If you're going to have the mountaintop experience, then you're going to have to get comfortable with God separating you from the crowd. It's called the process of sanctification. Sanctification will separate you from everyone else and set you apart for special use. We've referred to it a thousand times here out of Isaiah. A noble man will make noble plans, and by his noble deeds, that man will stand. 
We have to recognize that there's noble blood that's flowing in our veins, that we are the sons of God. We're called to be kings and priests, that our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price. All things may be legal, Paul said, but not all things are, are beneficial. And so as a man of God, as a son of God, as someone that wants to hike to the top and have that experience, I have to understand that he's going to call me out of common associations so I can have an uncommon experience. You're going to have to accept that. You're going to have to know that you're going to be separated from the crowd, that you're going to be pulled away from the crowd, and you're going to, you're going to have a different calling on your life. It's going to be different. Second Corinthians 3.18, but we all, say we all, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed or can be transfigured, transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're being transformed from glory to glory. We're being transfigured from glory to glory. We're climbing the mountain. We're pulled out of the crowd. We understand that there's noble blood in us. We understand that we are the, of the royal family, that there's nobility. And that's why I mentioned to you many times of hold up your shoulders, keep up your head, shine your shoes, know who you are, know where you're going, keep yourself clean. Not perfect, not perfect, but a men and women of a pure heart and clean hands. Pure heart and clean hands. And we're being transformed we're being transfigured as Christ was from glory to glory. Now, we understand that Jesus was transformed on the top of the mountain, amen? But you need to know that these men were being transformed as they went up the mountain because you're being transformed from glory, the price you pay, the price you pay, to glory, the price you pay, the struggle, the fight, the transformation, being going through that metamorphosis this was not an easy hike this was a journey if you're going to follow Jesus it's not always going to be easy remember the six days of qualifying who do men say that I am they say well you're Elijah you're Jeremiah you're Isaiah you're one of the prophets yeah but what do you think well I think you're the Messiah that's a revelatory that's revelatory knowledge you 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 see beyond what everyone else is just looking at you see that I'm the Messiah. You see that there's something coming. And you're going to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Now let's go to the top of the mountain. There's a price that you pay to get to the top of the mountain. We all want revival, but nobody wants to pay the price that comes with it. We have to remember that the anointing never goes on sale. It never comes cheap. You're always going to pay full price. You've got to accept that. And so as they were going up the mountain, I just see these men going through that metamorphosis. They're being transformed. They're being shaped and molded into the image of Christ. They're, go they're going from glory to glory to glory. How many wants the glory of God? Listen, I have stepped into the glory before and experienced a physical, tangible anointing. I've experienced the glory of God. But I can tell you that comes with great cost. I can tell you there's a price that you have to pay. But we're moving from glory to glory to glory. We're being transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. You see, if we need the security of the 12, then we will miss the experience of the one. 
If you can't learn to live alone, away from the 12, away from the other nine, if you can't be by yourself, that's why last Sunday I made the comment that I respect everyone's opinion, but I value mine more. You got to learn to think for yourself. You got to learn to take a stand on what you believe in. We in these days are going to have to stand center stage and at the top of our voice, lift up and with passion defend what we believe in when everyone else around us is, is rejecting us and disagreeing with us. There's a day coming when it's, it's going to be difficult to stand for Christ and the truth that we believe in. And you better settle that issue now or you're never going to make it. You have to know that if you can't stand alone, then no one will follow you. Ah, uh, let's do that over with. If you can't stand alone, no one will stand with you. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I know there's a bunch of empty seats in here, but they're online watching. And they're at home right now. They're clapping. I can hear them in the spirit. Right now, I can see the family on the couch watching me. And they just did a wave. They just... If you can't stand alone, no one will ever stand with you. Huh. Trying to get to the top of the mountain. Amen? The second thing. Number two, this hike. We understand if I'm going to go to the top, I'm going to be separated. Number two, you have to have elevated thinking. You see, we must first elevate our thinking before we're able to change our point of view. You're never going to have the point of view from the top of the mountain until you first change your thinking. The Bible says that the prodigal son came to himself and he thought, what am I doing in this pigsty? He said, I'm going home. I'm going home. He first changed his mind before he changed his position. He first changed his mind. You got to elevate your thinking before you can elevate your point of view. You got to change your mind at the foot of the mountain before you ever get to the top. You got to change your mind. I've said it again. I'm repeating myself. I apologize. But you, you have to remember that you can't live a positive life with a negative mind. You, you got to go head first. The prodigal son went head first. Life is about head first. Life is a series of wombs that are constantly forming and shaping you and molding you into the image of Christ and then it pushes you to the next level. And then you get to the next level and then you go through another forming and shaping and molding you into the image of Christ and then it pushes you to the next level. Wombs that are constantly pressure points that are pushing us up the mountain, up the mountain to the mountaintop experience. We have to elevate our thinking before we can ever elevate our point of view. Romans chapter 12, verse two, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Notice that. Stop imitating this culture, be transformed inwardly how you think, so that you can see and discern God's will. We must change our mind so God can change our experience. We got to change our mind. 
So God can change our experience. That's why those six days for me were so important. Down at the bottom. Down at the bottom. Peter, 12, who do you think I am? You're the Messiah. Good boy. Okay, now look. You've got to understand that's revelatory knowledge. And I'm fixing to be rejected. And I'm, I, but I'm going to be resurrected. And, and he's getting it. He's getting it. And he says, oh, but don't go to Jerusalem. And then he gets rebuked. He gets rebuked. He gets, how many of you would appreciate it if you came up to me and said something and I said, Satan, get thee behind me. <laughs> now the mature would understand that I'm not speaking to the person, but I'm speaking to the spirit of Antichrist that's behind them. But 99% of Christians could not take it. I'd lose a member. Just a side note, this is a freebie. If you can't come under authority and be corrected, you're going to struggle getting at the top of the mountain. If you can't take correction, if you're not teachable, you're going to struggle getting to the top of the mountain. I believe had Peter bowed up on Jesus... And walked away, well, we know he never would have got to go to the top of the mountain. You want to get to the top of the mountain? Revelatory knowledge. You want to get to the top of the mountain? See beyond what everybody else is just looking at. You want to get to the top of the mountain? Be, be teachable. Correctable. Be someone who can be rebuked. And you don't get, get all mad and pouty and take your toys and go to the next church. Let me tell you what's wrong with the churches in America is that we have a gypsy spirit. If you preach something out, people got up and walked out on me last Sunday. Just because I'm telling you the truth that behind all this chaos, there's a spirit of antichrist. It's a mastermind, a mastermind that's at work. And it doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican or independent, black, white or brown, male, female. It doesn't matter. Out there, there's a spirit of antichrist. And it's working to undermine, to destroy the public, to, to silence the church from preaching liberty and justice for all. And if you're offended by that, I'm so sorry. And, and if, you, if that offends you, I'm sorry you're offended. But that's the truth. And I love you enough to tell, the, tell you the truth. But you need to be real careful with exalting one man and one party above Jesus Christ and the church. It's called idolatry. You need to be careful with that. There's no man, no woman, no party that cannot be corrected. And behind all this mess is, a, is the spirit of Antichrist. And you have to recognize that. Yeah, let's leave that alone. I did not want to go there today. Edit that out, guys. Elevated thinking. We must change our minds so God can change our experience. If you would see what God sees, then you must think like God thinks. Elevated thinking will take you to an elevated experience. Hike to the top of the mountain. Number three, you must adapt to change. Adapt to change. On the program this morning, Fox 4, 730, we, we played the program uh, Living in Uncertain Times. And in that message, I made the statement, the only thing that is certain in this life is uncertainty. That's just the way it is. The only thing that's certain in this life is change. 
That's just the way it is. And we as the people of God have got to learn how to live in uncertain times. Guys, listen to me. Do you know leadership, true leadership is needed and revealed through during difficult times? Anybody can be a leader when everything's going great. It's when everything's falling apart that leadership, true leadership steps up. If there ever was a time when the church needed to be center stage right now and speak with clarity and be decisive, clear, strong, it's right now. But I'm so worried about the church. I'm so worried. So worried because of, of, the, of the, the divisiveness that's worked its way into the church. And we struggle. But if we're going to get to the top of the mountain, there are some things we're going to have to do. And one of them is we're going to have to learn how to adapt to change. We're talking about Mount Hermon. Where most, where I say most, many theologians believed this transfiguration took place. Mount Hermon is the highest mountain in ancient Israel. It's right on the Syrian border. It is snow-capped even during the summer. It's ri it rises just over 9,000 feet above sea level. So I want you to understand when Jesus said, come go with me to the top of the mountain, that wasn't like just a little hike up on top of a hill. That's why I say the anointing. You see that snow-capped mountain? They're standing down here, let's say, on this lush green grass, and Jesus says, I want you to follow me. I have an experience for you, but it's up there. That's going to come at a price. That's going to be difficult. There's danger in mountain climbing. Altitude sickness, drop in temperature, the weather is unpredictable, people can fall, there's crevices that you can fall into, and other things. It's difficult to breathe at that altitude. We'll be go, my family and I will be uh, going snow skiing here in a few weeks. We try to go once a year, and there are times when I'm up at 9,000 feet and above. And I can tell you, there are times when it is difficult to breathe. And if you're not used to it, it can be really difficult. At 9,000 feet and higher, people deal with altitude sickness. Sometimes you, when you're sleeping at night, you, you can struggle. You have altitude sickness. But it's dangerous when you go up. It's a, it's the, the, the point of view is phenomenal. But you've got to pay a price to get there. And it's difficult. Things will change. The weather can change on you quickly. 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 I remember one year we went snow skiing at Keystone at a previous church. The parishioners, I took a bunch and we went up. And me and my secretary's husband, we decided we were going to go down another way. I forget what happened. And Suzanne and my secretary were going to come down another way. And, and we split up and we got separated and we were doing something. And I, somehow I, we came down the mountain. They went one way. We went another. They ended up at the base of a different mountain and a storm hit. And when we got over there, we finally figured it out. So we jumped in the car and we ran over there and we were at the base of the mountain watching them. And, and I see this storm and then I see them coming down and they look like the abominable snowmen, just covered in snow. And I'm thinking, dear Jesus, 
let the mercy of God fall on me right now. Because I'm thinking Suzanne is going to be mad at me. Thank God she wasn't. But she was covered from top to bottom in snow. I couldn't see her. Just, she just covered in snow. The point is, when you're skiing on the mountain, a storm can move in quickly and catch you off guard. Do you understand, do you understand that to get to the top of the mountain, you're going to have to deal with change? You're going to have to be able to adapt to change. You're going to have to be able to, in, uh, to endure difficult moments. You're going to have to be able to deal with COVID-19. You're going to have to be able to deal with a presidential election. You're going to have to deal with economics. You're going to have to deal with rioting in the streets. You're going to have to deal with persecution. You're going to have to deal with rejection. You're going to have to deal with being misunderstood. You're going to have to deal with being misquoted. You're going to have to deal with arguments. You're going to have to deal with stuff. The top of the mountain is not is not for the uh, it's not for for the timid it's for those that are willing to pay the price to go where others aren't willing to go that's how you get to the top of the mountain mountaineers must prepare their bodies to endure the transformation as they ascend to the summit of transfiguration it's going to be a constant transformation changing my body's changing I'm adapting and you're climbing and you're going from glory to glory to glory the experience of following Jesus is transformative that prepares you to see him in all of his glory 2020 was tough 2021 doesn't look much better, but I'm telling you, it's a wound that's going to shape and mold you, and it's a pressure point that will put, push you to the next level of glory, so ultimately you can see Jesus and his transfigured state. I want to see the glory of the Lord. And you have to know that the Jesus you saw in the valley is not the Jesus you will know on the mountaintop. The Jesus you see in the valley, down here. When I first met Jesus, I met him as my savior. But as I climb this mountain from glory to glory and he's transforming me, when I get up here, you can see him in a way that few people, few people do. Because most are not willing to pay the price to get to the top of the mountain. It comes at a cost. After six days of qualifying the three after six days of qualifying, think about that. The three chased Jesus to the top of the mountain to see the power of his kingdom. They chased him. They chased him. After six days of being, qualif being qualified, do you know who I am? Do you understand what I'm doing? Are you willing to pay the price? Yes, then follow me. And they climbed the mountain. And the weather began to change. And the temperature began to drop. And there were crevices that had to be avoided. And the foot would slip and you could almost fall. But they kept climbing. And there were times they were probably thinking, what are we doing? And there were times when they were thinking, I wish I could turn around. There were times when they were thinking, I shouldn't have done this. But they kept pushing. 
have they kept pushing? And 2020 and 2021, there's been times I'm thinking, oh my Lord, what in the world is going on? But you just keep climbing. There are times when it gets really cold, the temperature drops, but you keep climbing. There are times when you feel like your foot's going to slip, but you keep climbing. And you're moving from glory to glory to glory. He's molding and making you and shaping you into a man or a woman of God with every trial, with every temptation, with every test, with every hardship, with every price you pay. God is shaping you and molding you into someone who can stand on the top of the mountain and experience the realm of God's kingdom. Think about it. Why do all this? Why do all this? If you have your Bibles, go with me. Let's look at Psalms. Let's go to Psalms chapter 133. It's only three verses. Psalms 133 speaks of unity. Now, in the, the Passion Bible, it titles the chapter. Now, just listen to what it says. I just noticed this. I didn't notice this last night. It says, Psalms 133, unity, and underneath it, it titles it a song to bring you higher by King David. Verse 1, how truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robe. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever and ever. I want you to just look at this chapter and Realize the significance of unity. The sacred oil is spoken of here, or we call that the anointing. The dew of Hermon is mentioned, but we call it the blessed life, the blessing of life. The sacred oil is dripping down to the hem of his garment where people are healed. The dew of harmony is dripping down the mountain slopes where people are blessed and prosper. Think of that. The oil dripping down to the hem of the garment. The woman of the issue of blood, and everybody has an issue, said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. I know that's where the concentration of the anointing is. The dew of Mount Hermon flowing down the mountain slopes, bringing blessings and prosperity to God's people. It's important. You see, perhaps the key to revival which involves the unifying of the church, is someone climbing Mount Hermon and drinking the dew of harmony. Maybe that's what America needs this morning. Maybe someone needs to climb the mountain, pay the price, climb the mountain and drink the dew and come back down 
Stand for what they believe in. Compromise nothing. But stand in righteousness. Realizing that as I take a righteous stand, I have to be careful that I don't lose my righteousness. That I stand in truth as a man or a woman of God, reflecting the image of Christ, speaking truth and love, refusing to compromise what I believe in. This is where the church has to be. Someone has to climb that mountain and drink the dew of harmony and come back down and try to pull the church together. Now, I'm not talking about the world right now. I'm talking about the church. Do you understand revival is not for the world? Revival is for the church. It means to revive something that, w- that is dead that was once alive. But when revival comes to the church, it creates a spiritual awakening within the world. And they come to Christ. It creates a hunger in them for Christ. So the church has to be revived. But in order to be revived, we've got to find unity. And the way we find unity is for leaders, men and women of God, that won't turn and bite and devour one another, but will climb the mountain of Mount Hermon and drink from the dew of harmony to have an encounter with Christ, to see him in all of his glory, and then to come down off of the mountain to address the church and where she is at this time. Now, this is important because you have to understand what your code says. Look, come here. No, just come here. I needed a Bible. You have to understand, you have six days of qualifying. Then you have the hike to the top of the mountain. Then they come down and they've been on the top of Mount Hermon drinking the dew of harmony. And they came down off of the mountain. And when they came down off the mountain, you find in Mark chapter 9, verse 16, Well, I'll tell you what, hang on. Yes, verse 16. They come down off of the mountain, and you remember the story of the disciples trying to cast the demon out of the boy. And in verse 16, he said, what are you arguing about with the religious leaders? Interesting. Now, they're trying to to heal this boy, but they can't because the religious leaders are arguing. Interesting. Then you, you drop down to verse 33. And the Bible says, then they came to Capernaum. And as soon as Jesus was inside the house, he asked the disciples, what are you arguing about? And they were arguing about who was right. Who was the greatest? So we've got Jesus coming down off of the Mount, off of Mount Hermon with the dew of harmony, and he encounters two arguments. One deals with the church, its inability to heal 
And one deals with those leaders over jockeying for position and who's right and who's wrong. That's alarming. But that's what Jesus needed Peter, James, and John to understand. I need you to understand who I am and what I'm trying to do. And I need you to understand it's going to cost you. And you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. And you got to follow me. And can you make the hike to the top of the mountain? Yes, we can. It's going to cost you and it's hard. There's a lot of shifts and changes and uncertainty and, and it's dangerous. But, but can you do it? I can do it, Jesus. And he, if you can make it to the top, if you can go through that womb of transformation as you climb, the scratches and the bruises and the, and the heartache, if you can make it to the top, you're going to see what few people see. And they get to the top of the mountain and they see Jesus transformed in front of them. And they see see him and this is a different Jesus than what they knew down in the valley they saw him in all of his glory and then they come off of that mountain and not only do they recognize him but now they know him and they come off of that mountain and they encounter these two arguments these two moments of division and fighting and and, and arguing and, and who's right and who's wrong and who's to be in charge and who's not and who's the greatest and who's the lesser and who and arguing and fighting. And in that moment, I can just sense Jesus looking at those three and saying, do you now understand why I needed you? Because it's important. Because Proverbs says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. We need righteous leadership in the church. We need righteous leadership in our cities, in our nation. We need righteous leadership that will lead us, that will stand in righteousness and do what's right. We need leaders that can stand up and speak the truth. We need leaders. God bless America. We need righteousness in this land. The church needs revival. So we can have a spiritual awakening in our nation. But in, in order for that to happen, somebody's got to go to the top of the mountain. Somebody's got to see Jesus in all his glory. In order to provide righteous leadership, the three needed to see the view from the top and drink the dew of Mount Hermon. Stephen, come help me. We need leaders. In our text, we read verses one through eight. But I would say that verse eight is my key verse. Try with me to imagine. Hey guys, put the picture of the snow-capped mountain back up, Mount Hermon. I want you to, to imagine the 12 standing here. The Bible says that Jesus did nothing without his father telling him. He walked this earth as a spirit-filled man. I can see the, the 12 there. And Jesus walks 
just a little further away and he stands there for a moment and he looks to the top of that mountain and he hears his father's voice saying, son, I need you to come here. Jesus turns around and says, some of you are gonna see the realm of God's kingdom manifesting on planet earth. Peter, James, and John, come on. I need you to go with me. And the boys looked at that and said, you sure you want to do that? How many would agree that little field, that, that little meadow right there, that looks pretty good. That, that, you know, I think personally, I could hear from God right there. How many could see Jesus right there? I read Jesus right there. That little meadow right there is what most of us look for. But I can tell you, most of the, if not all, the experiences that I've had with God, the life-changing, have been up there on the top of that mountain. Can you see those three getting to the top of that mountain? They're bruised, their shins are bleeding, probably their fingers are bleeding from grabbing sharp rocks. They get up on the top of that mountain, they're cold, they're probably wet, and they're there trying to catch their breath. Have you ever had altitude sickness? You get a headache? You get dizzy, you get dehydrated, you get sick at your stomach. These guys are beat up, bruised, they're tired, they can't breathe. And they're standing there thinking, why in heaven's name did he wanna come up here? And the Bible says in verse eight, suddenly, everything changed suddenly they looked around this was a kairos moment not chronological kairos which is a God moment it's called the suddenlies of God like Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost suddenly there was a sound from heaven it's suddenly this kairos moment and the atmosphere changes everything shifts suddenly they looked around and go, what is happening in this moment? Suddenly they looked around and saw only Jesus. For Moses and Elijah had faded away. Suddenly. We're in a moment right now where many, if not all, like just suddenly we felt like everything was stripped away from us it feels that way suddenly everything COVID-19 stripped things away economics stripped away health stripped away friends and family have passed away things have been stripped from us relationships normality our lifestyle the presidential election has stripped away so many things there are so many questions, so much conflict. 
So much happening within our nation right now. We're watching our capital be filled with military people. Our hearts are broken. So much. We saw rioting in our streets oh, throughout 2020 as so much took place. Our sense of security stripped away. It seems like our national unity stripped away. There's just so much. I, I just feel like there's been so much that's been stripped away. But suddenly, after everything's been stripped away, it, it feels like there's nothing left standing but Jesus. And maybe that's where we needed to be all along. Everything is stripped from me. And there's nothing on the mountaintop. Nothing. Only Jesus. Think of that. And everything fades away. The strife, the division, the hatred, it all just fades away. with everything stripped away and only Jesus left standing. All our worldly arguments begin to fade. So the disciples come off the mountain. Jesus and the three. And the first thing they do is they encounter two arguments. The religious leaders are arguing over how to get this done. Jesus, and I just see the other three going, guys, let's don't argue. Let's look beyond what everybody else is just, let's see beyond what everyone else is just looking at. Let's see this daddy see this boy and let's heal him let's set him free I can imagine I want to I just can you see this happening arguing over who's the greatest I just want to believe that there's something in those three When you've been to the top of the mountain, ego, pride, needing to be right, it kind of fades away. Only Jesus. Second song. I brought you to the top of the mountain because I wanted you to see everything fade away. I'm tired of arguing. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting over the COVID. I'm tired of fighting over the presidential election. I'm tired of fighting over stuff. I'm going to stand for my convictions and my principles and I'm going to stand for what I believe in, but I 
so tired. I've tired of hatred. I'm tired of Christians trying to bite and devour each other. I'm tired. I'm tired of burying friends. I'm tired. I'm tired of burying family. I'm tired. I'm tired. I, I just want to be on the top of the mountain and let everything fade away. but Jesus drink the dew of harmony and come off the mountain and try to heal a nation thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast for more information about our church visit onecity.church